Thank you for tuning in to Experiencing the Abundant Life. I am your host, Aaron. I have Danny with me today, and we will be discussing the two wills today. And we're going to start it off with a simple question. <laughs> what is the will of the Father? He said we're going to start out with a simple question. <laughs> uh, but Jump that is, right in It's a very complicated question. But for today's purposes, we will define when we're talking about the will of the Father, we're not trying to specify anything uh, as far as like the detailed will of the Father. But when we say the Father's will, we are speaking about what is God's will for humanity? What is God's will in the world? How does it operate on a governmental, societal, cultural level? And how do we determine uh, whether something is the will of God versus what is a result of the actions from the will of man? And, and I think the two do get, all the times, get linked together and oftentimes confused and misrepresented as one for the other. Uh, because we have this idea that if God created man, then God's in control of man. And so if that's the case, then it was God's will from the beginning for all these things to happen. Um, and, and I think we, we do a disservice to humanity by trying to portray God's will as anything other than good. And um, man and his will has definitely done a lot of damage to the, to the uh, reputation of the will of God. Uh, but I think we need to base our, um, our belief on scriptural depictions of the will of God, Absolutely. not man's failure in living out the will of God. Absolutely. And we were just kind of touching on a conversation with a, with a group just a little while ago, and it was misunderstood that right. with, when it pertains to evil, they were trying to tie in evil as to be the will of God. Right. Because yep. of the simple fact of what you were stating that people kind of bring those two together to make them seem like because God created, or it's, there's a scripture in there that says God created evil, they say, well, that's proof that evil must be the will of God right there because he created evil. Right. So, well, I think, I think that is a very simplistic uh, representation of that scripture. Um, God created, we believe God is the author of life, right? Would you agree? Amen. And so with that statement, we understand that God created Hitler. <laughs> right, exactly. But that doesn't mean God created the genocide and the mass murdering of the Jewish people. Uh, God creates the man. Man then, through his will, decides whether he's going to subject that will to the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That's it. Or whether he's going to subject and lend his will to the world. So right? when somebody, if somebody was to bring up Isaiah 45, which I pulled up while we were talking earlier. Sure, yeah. Uh, 45 verse 7. In the King James, it says, I formed the light and created darkness. I make peace and created evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. How do we respond to somebody when they say, hey, what about this scripture? It says he did all this stuff. Isn't that the will of God? Right. And, and here, here's, here's where the interpretation of scripture comes in hand for me, Aaron. Um, I, don't, I do not claim, nor do I feel as though I have any type of authority. All over, you know, my way is the right way, or what I think is absolute truth. Um, but I, and so from a place of humility, I say this that what I believe that to be saying is that we all we need to understand that 
while there are spiritual and, and much deeper meanings to Scripture, uh, there are also very literal meanings to Scripture. And when God says that I formed the light, we know in Genesis, he formed the light. Amen. We need to understand that darkness is only the absence of light. That's right. And so there is no creating darkness. There is creating light and therefore distinguishing between the two. Without light, one cannot determine whether a place is dark or not. How would we determine that this place is dark if we don't have a place that is lit up to contrast it and compare it against? And so when God said, I created, because the first thing he says, I formed light, right? And out of forming light, that created the ability to see the difference between light and dark. God did not create the darkness, but in his creating and forming light, he now has given the ability for man to see what he has always seen. There is a difference between light and darkness. In Genesis 1, it says that before the foundations of the world, right? It talks about it in Genesis 1, that the Spirit of God hovered That's right. above the darkness. That's right. Right? So there was darkness from the beginning. It was only in the creating of light that then we as humanity now can say, hmm. well, there's darkness too. Because he was always the light. The Bible says in Revelation that, that, that he will be the light in the great kingdom to come, in the promised land, in the great Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. The Bible says there'll be no sun, for the Son of God will be its light. So Amen. from where he was, there's always been the ability to see the difference between light and dark. Mm. But now when he created dark, lightness to come in Genesis 1, we now have the ability to perceive both light and dark. Gotcha. So just kind of tap, you said something so powerful. Uh, when you go into Genesis 1, and I don't want to stray too far from the two wills. Sure, exactly. So, But I'm going to touch on this just for one second because you brought it up. When you read in Genesis 1 and you, you see in uh, verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Notice how, if, if y'all heard what Brother Danny just said, that darkness, it doesn't say here that it was created. Mm -mm. Ooh, that's <laughs> it was divided. It was divided. And it was that's only crazy. through the creation of the light mm. that one is able to divide the darkness from the light. Now let's get on this. Let's get back to the to the two wheels because this kind of ties into that division there. You got light, you can say light, the goodwill, <laughs> the father's will. Exactly. The darkness, the, the will of the flesh. That, and we yeah. need to understand that we can only devise and only perceive the darkness of the human will when it is put up against the light mm. of the will of the Father. Mm. Like that's, that's, that's why it's so important to understand that we don't necessarily need to know the details of God's will, but we need to know that God's will is light. Yes. And therefore, any darkness, darkness is not found in him. But that's scripture. That's right. That the light of the world came into the world and it overcame the darkness. There is no darkness in the light. So when people say, hey, there's that God's will is evil, well, this it's statement impossible. automatically throws it out the window. It's if there's impossible. no darkness in him, then how can he be? his will be evil? There is no darkness <laughs> in light. Where light is, darkness cannot exist. Mm. And what I want the people of God to understand is that why are we even talking about this? Is because that we oftentimes view the very first question of this podcast, what is the will of God? What is the will of the Father? We often spend so much time dedicated to trying to discover a hidden will. Like it is just out trying there. Trying to figure it out. Trying to figure <laughs> it out because if we can just figure out the will of God, then maybe we could come to an agreement with it. It is not our job 
to discover what the details of God's will is. It is to discover the will of God in Scripture, the light of the gospel, and follow that will. And in doing so, we will see just how dark sometimes our own will can be. And hopefully in those moments, we will subject our dark will to the light of the good will of God. Mm. And that's what I want us to see, guys, is that the will of God is not something that he has hidden from you. It is just something that we can't perceive in its entirety. That's that's not to say God hid his will. For he does not hide himself from mankind. He does not do that. But it is very simple to understand that we cannot perceive the will of God because go. we are human. And remember this in Scripture, and then I'll be done because I know we don't have a lot of time. Remember this in Scripture, guys, when Jesus was in the garden. And he said this to the Lord, to, to God the Father. Father, I would that this cup would pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. So in that moment, there was a differentiating between the will of a human, even though occupied and, and, and authored and, and walking in was the divinity of God himself. But in the flesh, that was his, that was his body shield at that point. The flesh did not allow him to truly have the same will as the Father. Mm. And in that being so, we need to understand that it was at that point Jesus said, I subject my humanity mm. to the will of God. Yes. And that is the, that is the purpose and, of why we're here. And would you say that that would be what we ought to do as well? We should submit this flesh. We should die to this flesh daily. And embrace the will of the Father every single day so that we're exercising His will over what we feel, what we think, even though it's a challenge. Right. But we shouldn't be acting according to what the flesh feels and what the flesh wants and all of these things that come along with the flesh. Because, and correct us if this is wrong, but it's impossible to serve two masters. That's what it says. You, you can't serve the flesh and serve God. Nope, can't you do can't it. do his will and the flesh's will, in nope. other words. So it's one or the other. It's not both. So when we say that the evil or the wrongdoing is the Father's will, it's just a sad misunderstanding, and it's comfortable to the flesh to even say such a thing. Right. Very com- it's convenient. Absolutely, because we want to absolve ourselves from any responsibility of our own will causing us to be antithetical to the will of God. We, we want what we feel and what we think to be a part of God's will. And, and, and if we can always absolve ourselves by saying that that was God's will, then we don't have any accountability to ourselves. Oh, yeah. We, 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 we good. You know, what, you know we, what I'm saying? We, I'm a Christian, so my will has to be the same will as the Father. And if I did something, then that's got to be God's will. Um, and so for me, you, you get into some very murky waters that absolve humanity of any responsibility. Um, and so I, I would just say this. I would just say this. It is our responsibility, as Paul teaches us, to beat or pummel our flesh, our will, into subjection under the will of the Father. Amen. That is our job. That is our responsibility. Not to pummel other people's flesh. Paul did not say that I pummel other people's that flesh. That part right daily. there, yes. But oh. he understood that his will was enough of a problem on its own that he needed to devote his attention to making sure that his will fell in line and was subject to the will of God. Absolutely. And so it is our responsibility 
through the reading of the word, through the obedient act of prayer, and through the sanctified living that is instructed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, by the will of God for man to live, not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, that is our responsibility in lining our will up with the will of God. Amen. Well said. So in coming to somewhat of a close here, um, just really quick, to distinguish here in the end the Father's will and the will of man, Mm -hmm. within the next couple seconds, how would you break that down just in simple simple terms, something to take away here at the end? Uh, Okay, so to to differentiate between the will of man and the will of God, it's it's for me it's pretty simple uh when i find myself the bible says that all that is in the world is the lust of the eye lust of the flesh and the pride of life that is the will of man is to is to ingratiate and to engage in things that please self there you go that's that good. is my will that's good. my will is for danny to be satisfied please in the times. flesh please in the flesh right? man please will. the flesh and this is what it says who who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man mm. but of the will of God. Mm. Mm. So so for me there is such a difference between the will of man and the will of God even when the man is a saved man that your fleshly will still has to be subjected to the will of God. Yes. We cannot say because God saved me then my will is God's will. No, 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 no. It doesn't just happen on its own. Or Paul would not have had to beat himself into submission. Paul would not have to say, man, when I went to do right, wrong was always there. I found myself doing the wrong stuff. If that was true, then Paul would have been perfectly good from the moment from after Damascus Road, Aaron, he would have been good. That's right. So let me ask this in, in, in the final. God's will, how would we sum that up the easiest way for people to get the will of God or will of the Father. God's will is for all people to bring the most glory to God's name. Mm, that's good. Point blank. Here, here's how, here's, here's how uh, a pastor uh, quotes it down, is that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. Amen. That's the will of the Father, is that we would esteem Him to be so beautiful, so loving, and so great that we are most satisfied when we are obediently following his will, that that in turn gives him the most glory in our lives. That's his will. Amen.